prayer, and it just wasn't happening. And one day he said, well, well, Jeff, you know, I used to come in early and pray over service. I used to, you know. I used to come in early and pray over service. And he said, you know, one day I came in, and I didn't have time to pray that morning, and God moved anyway. And, and that was a statement, and there was something about that that wasn't right, but I didn't know how to formulate it or say it to anything. I just kind of let it go. Okay, number three, event number three. I, I talked about how in another church, I would pray over the chairs, and as I would pray over the chairs, I would pray in tongues. I would pray in the Spirit. And, and, and I'd get to some chairs, and I'd feel a little more of a burden. I'd pray a little longer on that one, and I'd go on. But this one day, I got to the second chair from the end, and I hit that one, and the Holy Spirit hit me, pray over this chair. And I, I, I could not go on to the next chair until I was done praying over this chair. And I finally got the release, and I went on and prayed over the chairs. So I service started, man, I watched that chair. And, and, and wouldn't you know it, some of you know the answer to this one. For those who weren't there, what do you think? Who sat there? Some of you remember? Nobody. Nobody sat in that chair. And I watched that chair. But you know what? This was such a teachable moment for me because I realized I have this narrow view. I'm praying today. God moves today. God doesn't look so narrow. He, you know, this was about 9.30. I prayed, and then service starts at 10. That was about 30 minutes. Like, like, you, like you drop a prayer, and it only lasts for a little bit, maybe, you know, and it lingers, and then, oh, well, that, you know. No, I was like, I realized God sees that morning service. He sees the next one. He sees the next one. He sees the next six months of services. He sees that chair. Who's going to sit in that chair? He sees that. I could have been praying over three people. I, I realized we get short-minded in prayer. And, 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 and God is, is saying, no, I take these prayers, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to apply them when I need to. And I think back then on that pastor that said, yeah, I used to pray. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So all this time, God was probably saying, okay, here's a service, three or four services from now. I really want to move during this service. And, and I'm getting these little bit of prayers. Okay, I'm going to collect these little bit of prayers. He was collecting prayers, and he, he delivered them on that one day. Well, this pastor said, well, I prayed, nothing happened. I prayed, nothing happened. I prayed, nothing happened. And then one day I didn't have time to pray, and something happened. I guess prayer doesn't work. I'm like, no, wow. People, I think that's where churches missed it is the connection between, well, I prayed, nothing happened. Well, Remember that thought. I'm going to come back to that thought. Well, I prayed nothing happened because I didn't see that. I didn't get the association. I'm real big on association, some, you know, experiencing what I did to what I got. Okay, we're going to come back to that. Hold that, hold that thought. Okay, so what, is it, what, about the, what does the Bible say about this? All right, look at this. In Revelation 5.8, it talks about bowls filled with the incense, which are the prayers of the saints. We see a window into heaven that he has bowls. What do bowls do? They hold things. They collect things. He collects prayer. They're, they're collecting, okay? Every prayer we pray gets, gets collected by God, and he holds, he holds on to those, okay? Psalms 31, 19, this verse, I, the more I keep reading this verse, I realize how significant this verse is. Think of a bank account or a storehouse. Either one of those analogies work here. A storehouse or a bank house where God takes something, and I'm storing these up. Listen to what this verse says. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of all who take refuge in you. There is a storing up, and then there is a bestowing. He collects. He collects, okay? 
But notice there is a time gap between when he collected something and maybe when he gets in mind for something and then the bestowing. There's this time, to him, there's almost no time gap. I prayed that day for that prayer, and he's like, thank you for that prayer, and then that person got blessed. It was maybe three weeks later, but to him, it was like, I took that prayer and I prayed for that person. But, but I think because we get short-minded, I think that's the reason some churches miss the connection between prayer and power. Does that make sense? When I pray over now, when we pray over this room, and I tell everybody, when we're praying over this room, you know, we'll, we'll pray, okay, today God move, you know, but as I learned, move. I, I changed it to move in this place. Move in this place. Um, okay, think, think of this. I'm oh, sorry. Um, God, God is frugal, I think. He's, he's collecting these little prayers. He's like, okay, I got a little bit of prayer here. I got a little bit of prayer. I got a, I got a service here. I want to do something. So let me collect a couple of prayers each week, and then I'm going to pour out then. And sometimes if he doesn't get very many prayers, he's got he's to collect for a while because he is in mind what he wants to do. It's not what day we prayed. It's not that we prayed Saturday and we saw something powerful Sunday. And I think we did see that connection, but that if we didn't see that, we said, we're okay with that. We're okay with that. He is, I was talking to somebody recently about a financial advisor. He said, you want to find one you can trust. You put the deposit in, but you got to trust him. We have to trust that God knows the days to pour out. Do you understand what I'm saying? We pour in. We pray. We pray over these services. We pray over them, but then we don't sit there and decide, well, we prayed this weekend and nothing happened. No, no, no. We trust a God who knows what he's doing and when he's going to distribute our prayers. Our job is to make those deposits and, and, and to fill those in, okay? And that's, that's what we're doing. Yes? Fervent, with fervency. The fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know what I think when I think we're making deposits and we're not seeing something happen quite yet? I think that an earthquake is coming, <laughs> okay? I talked about this Saturday. I, I took a geology class in college, and the professor made this statement. He said he's worried about this one area of California because they have not had an earthquake in a while. And I, and I was like, well, isn't that a good thing? I'm like, no, that's actually not. Because what you see is there are two plates that are moving past each other. And there's enough friction to kind of hold them together. But, friction, but pressure builds. It builds up enough that it slips. And that slip is, a, is an earthquake, but, but it releases the pressure. But guess what? It builds up again. And then it slips and it builds up again. But, but if it's there a while before it slips, that means the pressure's building. The longer between the slips, the bigger the earthquake. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The, the, the more we are pouring into prayer, all right, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. If, if nothing happens Sunday, I'm like, oh, we, pray, we poured in Saturday, and then the next week we're going to pour in some more. An earthquake is coming. The point is do not be deterred by silence. You know, intercessory prayer, prayer warriors, they're not deterred by silence. You, you can't deter us. I, I was listening to uh, Chris, uh, Chris Vallotton, maybe it was Vallotton, in, uh, at Bethel Church, and he, and he was making the analogy of log splitting, okay? He was not very experienced with log splitting, but he was with a guy that was. He gave him a wedge, gave him a sledgehammer, said, you find a little crack, you know, as best you can, put it in there, and start smacking. And he said, we smacked, and we smacked, smacked, you know, 10, 50 times. He's like, well, that didn't work, and then he'd move it somewhere else and smack, you know. The other guy came back and said, what are you doing? Well, well, that didn't work. He's like, oh, yeah, keep smacking. 
put a bin there, and, and they learn. Okay, I, I, you know, I did 15 maybe. Oh, it takes 20, 25 some. And there's like split happens. And, and, and what was really cool about this is the other guy who came up, and Chris Valentin said I, it didn't work. The guy, the other guy who had had experience with this, he wasn't swayed by that. He was not swayed by not seeing success because he had seen success. We do not get swayed when we're praying in this room. We're praying, we're praying, and, you know, nothing happens. Like I said, I was totally good. In fact, it might have made a teaching moment to say, wow, that means the next one's going to be even more powerful because we're smacking and it, it is going to happen. We are not swayed by silence. I want to show you some scripture, people in scripture that were not swayed by silence. We know Elijah, he prayed for rain. And, and, and we know when he was praying, he's like, he prayed for rain and he told his servant, all right, go look. And he said, nothing. Okay, prayed some more. He said, all right, go look, nothing. We just prayed some more. He, he was not swayed by, oh, He's kept, he was like, pray some more. You keep look. I'm going to pray. And he just kept praying. And then, and then, the, then the storm cloud came and the, and, the, and, the, and the rain came. He was one that's not swayed by silence. Oh, this one's powerful. Matthew uh, 15, 21 through 28, a Gentile, or a Canaanite woman had a daughter who was demon-possessed. And she goes to Jesus and cries out to Jesus. And what does he do? He gives her silence. But she kept going. She persisted. It is such a powerful, I, I could read it, but I got, you got to go read it for yourself. And then he gets a no. He even tells her no. And then he insults her, <laughs> but she keeps going. And then she got her release. She was smack. And Jesus, I believe Jesus who knew her faith and was like saying, come on, come on. Keep pushing through the silence. The more the silence, maybe the more the building. An earthquake was coming for this lady. And Jesus was giving her more silence because the earthquake was going to be big. And she got, her, he, she got her answer right there rather than some lingering thing. I think in mercy he did that that way. So that, uh, and, then, and then the woman of the judge, and this is a parable that Jesus gave. And you read this and he's like, he's like she, uh, this woman would not give up. And isn't your God who, fought, who cares about you all the more hear your prayers? Another, another good example, and that was a parable. So, so we need to pray, all right? We need to pray as a church, all right? And, and God's involvement cannot be assumed. This is a concept, and, and this is so important because, because I've, I've realized churches cannot just be under the assumption, well, we're God's church, you know? Well, we're, well, we're doing God's work, you know? Well, if he wants to, he'll do something or he'll move, you know? This whole concept, God will move, but he wants to be called in, and he, 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 there's a responsibility on us. And this is a powerful because there's some verses that, that hint to this. And, and, and the one I showed, the one I discussed was, was uh, Exodus 17, their first battle after the Red Sea. Their first battle, we know the story, Moses was lifting his hands, and then his, his hands dropped, they were tired, and pushed on him and held him up. And if his hands dropped, they were losing. And then, and then his hands were raised, they were winning. And, and I said this, it was, I've read this so many times, but it, the conviction of this story really hit me when, when I realized that if he stopped interceding for them, they were going to lose. They had men on the battlefield that were going to die. And I don't think, I, it was like the criticality of what was going on there just hit me. That, that, it was that serious. If, if, if he stopped interceding, they were going to die. And I, and I pictured a moment rather than just saying, oh, he's kind of tired, let's get a stone. Oh, let's lift up his hand. I think it was more of a moment when they said, you know, they're looking at the field and what's going on and there's this connection. 
wait a minute, we need to, we can't stop interceding. Get, get a stone, get an arm, you know, and I, and I picture that. That's what we need to be as a church. We can't stop interceding. We can't just assume, oh, well, God's going to take care of us. No, we, we can't stop that, okay? We can't stop that flow of, of prayer. Um, I, I think about 2 Kings 13. Elijah was talking to Jehoash, this king, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to shorten up this whole message. He has an enemy he's dealing with, this king, and, and he hands him some arrows, and he, said, and he tells the king to strike the ground. And he doesn't take it very seriously, you know. And, and you could tell by his reaction that he didn't take it seriously. He tapped four times, you know, and, and quit. He's like, you needed to tap more than that, okay? And because he didn't, the, the, the king missed out on what he could have had. And it was like Elijah was, Elijah was even upset by that. By, I, we, we wanted to give you that victory. And, and, and the answer, that's why this, this message that says, no, we, we need to strike the ground, okay? As a church, we want to see God move powerfully, and he wants to move powerfully, but he wants you to, he wants us to strike the ground. He wants us to keep going, and that's another one of those messages. Um, another one, um, Ezra, this is so interesting when you read the story. Apparently, if I could kind of summarize what happened, the king had asked, you know, he was embarrassed to ask the king for, for, for an escort. They were a group of people moving from one place through through wilderness and deserts to another place that was dangerous. And, and he had told the king, no, because the hand of our God is upon all those who seek him. And then he, I think afterwards realized, uh, did we seek him? <laughs> we just told the king that the Lord's going to protect us and we don't need help. And, I, and we, we, we bragged about it. And what's more than just bragging, we need to seek him. And he called for a fast <laughs> and they fasted and prayed and then God's hand protected them. That's, that's just, we can't just say, well, God's going to protect us. This was a message that said we can say it, but we need to fast and pray. And that was, that was a good one. Another good example. Um, Lassen, this was a convicting one, and I know the font might be kind of small. We may not be able to, to see this, but you can see Ezekiel 22, 30 and 31, and many of us probably know this, this verse where God says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. He's looking. He's saying, well, why don't you just work? God, why don't you just work? He wants to be called in. He wants to be invited. He wants to be somebody to stand in the gap. He wants that. And he said, I found none, and I will pour out my wrath on them. This is another one of those convicting verses that says, even if God wants to, and even he's looking for somebody to stand in the gap, that is how critical this is. And that's why I said we can't just assume his his, his, you know, that he's going to be involved, a powerful one. Um, there's more signs just that, uh, that, that he wants us praying. And I would say this, uh, the gift of faith or, or the prayer language. These are so interesting. I remember thinking about the gift of faith. What an intriguing gift. He gives the gift of prophecies so that we can edify somebody or the gift of healing so we can heal somebody. What's the gift of faith? He, he wants us to have faith to ask him for something. And he says, okay, I need somebody to ask me. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I'm even going to give you the faith so that you ask me. I, I, think, I have to think Satan must get frustrated at this. He's like, why are you moving? That person asked me in faith. You, gave, you told him to ask me and you gave him the faith. Yep. 
That's what, he, that's what he did. But that's how significant it is to him that somebody asks. He's that, he's that wrestler on the side of the ring. Tag me. Back in tag team wrestling, tag me. He said, you are so powerful, God. Why don't you just go in? No, I want to be called in. I want, I want some. That's what's humanity. That's what he gave humanity, a piece of this. Our piece of this is to call him in. The prayer language. Him like, I'm going to give you just the right prayer to pray. You're going to pray it right back to me. That's how important prayer is, is to God. Okay, so uh, next I want to transition into, back into hosting God's, hosting his presence and, and the presence of God. Um, I want to, um, I want to say this, oh, and actually this, this still goes into prayer, I'm sorry, and then I'll get into his presence. Uh, here's another one where I see where prayer is so important to God. He, he makes this statement in Matthew uh, 9, 36-38, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This is a compassionate God because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what? He went and ministered to them. Right? No. He turns to his disciples and says, the harvest is plentiful but the works are few. Ask the Lord for the harvest. He sees need. He sees compassion. He says, pray. Okay, in this community, there are people in need. He sees people in need, and he turns to us and says, pray. That's how, that's how prayer is important to God. You know, well, you have compassion on him. Yes, pray. I want to be called in, okay? Do you get that? I'm the wrestler. I want to be called in. He even says it right there. Okay, now we're going to get into to, to God's presence just a little bit because we're talking about hosting his presence here in this place. So, so we're going to look a little bit about in Scripture uh, about God's presence. And, and the first one is the tabernacle. Unfortunately, I didn't throw enough, I, I didn't throw any scriptures here. I kind of threw this in the last minute. You could probably find them in your Bible. But the tabernacle was a tent. As they traveled through through the desert, they would stop and they would set up a tent. They would pray over that and the anointing would be powerful in there. And then the priest, if he was holy enough, would walk into the holy of holies and offer sacrifices. And if he didn't, if he, if he, he wasn't he would die. The presence of God was so powerful that he could die. So picture this. There's a plot of land in the desert. You could stand right there. Nothing happens. Nothing's going on. You feel nothing. That same plot of land, some people come in. They set up a tent. They do service. They do ceremonies to call in the presence of God. You stand in that same point. It's not going to be the same thing, okay? You, there was power in that point. And then they collected the tent and they moved on. Now you could stand in that point. And the point there is that in, in, in a section of land, you could go from, you could stand there to power in this place right here. The same with, uh, with the temple. When they finally built the temple, a permanent place, um, we know that King Solomon dedicated the temple. And, and at the end of this dedication of the temple, it says that the house of the Lord was filled with the clouds that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the the Lord filled the house, a place that before they built, you could stand there. Now the presence of God was in this, this rectangle right here was a presence of God, powerful, okay? Let's go to, let's go to the New Testament. Uh, Luke 5, 17, there's just one half of a verse. And the power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. What an incredible statement. Jesus standing right there, and the power of present, and you, was present for him to heal the sick. You say, well, yeah, everywhere he goes, power was present. Everywhere he goes. No, not everywhere he went. 
Because Matthew 5, 13, 58, and he did not do many miracles in this town, this place he was at, because of their lack of faith. Stand in this spot, and there's power there. Stand in another spot, and there isn't. It gives you this indication that God can move in different places. Acts 4, um, in verse 24, they raised their voice together, God, in prayer. In verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they met was shaken. Okay? We can host his presence. Okay? We can host his presence. This rectangle right here, okay, this is what we want. I'm sorry, we see it. <laughs> we see it in Scripture. He will take a place and a time, and he will show up powerfully. And, and that is what we're after. That is what we want. That is why we're praying. That is why we're calling into this place, because we want that power to be here. And it could be as simple as Sunday where he says, I'm going to step in, and I'm going to give somebody a word from the Lord, a word of knowledge that somebody is hurting, and I want to minister to that person. I love services. Those are some of my favorite services when God stops the whole service to minister to one person, one or two hurting people. That is worth it, okay? Yeah, I'm talking about blind eyes seeing, but even just that, that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're looking for. When we're praying over this room, we're praying for a section of plot of land that has been anointed with, with God's power and God's presence, and that's, that's what we're after. And that's a lot of what I, what I shared uh, Saturday, plus a little bit of bonus uh, placed in there too. But that's, that's a lot of what we shared. And, 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 and we just want to get that message into us, sink, sink that message into us. Um, I talked about this book. I, I quoted from it a little bit, a few times in there. But I want, what I want to do, I want to I talk about this book. Uh, some of you grabbed this book. Some of you or, ordered the next set. But if some of you are more interested, tell us. We will get this book into hands of... Of, of, of anybody willing to read it. And, and don't feel like you're obligated to read all of it, but read this book. It's called Pastor, Partners in Prayer, Supporting and Strengthening Your Pastor and Your Church Leaders. And, and Pam and I went through this book, and, uh, and it was so good. I'm just going to read a few things out of this book. Um, um, one, here's one page. He was talking about the lack of prayer. Remember I talked about at the beginning. I'm like, why do people not pray? He said, despite God's promises of, of the power to, of prayer to change us in the world, many Christians never tap into it. Most pastors in their churches across the country are currently starving in the area of prayer. He said, but it doesn't have to be that way. Every pastor in every church in this country can tap into the awesome power of prayer and protection, uh, of power and protection that only prayer provides. Um, Another page I want to read. Now, this is, this is good. This isn't just about prayer for, for the church. This is prayer. This is God. This is our own personal prayer time with God. And, and, and influence. You're going to hear the word influence with God. Think about that concept. When you have influence with someone, you know, you're, you're a friend. If you have influence with the governor, you know, you have a relationship with them. You can say, hey, I think this is how I feel. Okay. So, so read this and listen to what he says. And he, he starts off with a relationship with a marriage, likening to a marriage. And, and he says, how would it be if I only went, time I went to my wife was during an emergency? It's the only time I talked to her. No, we build a relationship. He says this, the same is true with God. A deep relationship with him takes time and effort. It cannot be formed in just a few fleeting mechanical moments. 
And it can't be built on, built on an emergency basis either. E.M. Bounds once wrote, God's acquaintance is not made hurriedly. He does not bestow his gifts on a casual or hasty comer or goer. To be much alone with God is the secret of knowing him and of influence with him. We can change our attitudes towards prayer. Think of it, we, think of it as a process that builds our relationship with God. And a cultivated daily prayer time and a relationship, okay, I'm sorry, let me say this again. Thinking of it as a process that builds our relationship with God and a cultivated and daily prayer time. And we, we can become strong uh, people of prayer. Um, listen to that. That concept is cultivate a relationship with God. You know, if you're just the emergency type, you know, my kids, they moved off to college and, and you know, oh, they're calling. Oh, <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> All right. And sometimes we're like that. You know, Pam and I will get people that ask us, sometimes even our own kids, oh, Dad, I need you to pray for me. And, and I've started to change my, my approach with my kids. Okay, let's cultivate your relationship with God so that you can pray, so that you can posture yourself, so you can position yourself in prayer, so that your prayer just simply can be a whisper, hey, God, I need this. Okay, what a, what a powerful concept. I want to encourage you, if you haven't read the book, just read about prayer in this book, uh, great discussions on, on prayer in, um, in here. I got to give a testimony. Testimonies are always powerful. Um, he talks about this, and this happened back in the summer of 1876, okay? And I read this, and I'm like, wow, this is so powerful. And I think, okay, years later, oh, this was many years ago. It's just as powerful, okay? When you hear testimonies like this, you could be a farmer, Take this like you were a farmer. You almost had everything devastated from you, okay? And you saw it. We're not seeing it. We're reading it. But take this. Understand what I mean? Take the power of this. In the summer of 1876, grasshoppers nearly destroyed the crops in Minnesota. So in the spring of 1877, farmers were worried. They believed that the dreadful plague would once again visit them and destroy the rich wheat crop, bringing ruin to thousands of people. The situation was so serious that Governor J.S. Pillsbury proclaimed April 26 as a day of prayer and fasting. How wonderful back in the days when the governor would declare a day of prayer and fasting. How We need to read the history books, folks. Listen to this. He urged every man and woman and child to ask God to prevent the terrible scourge. On that April day, all schools, shops, stores, offices were closed. There was a reverent, quiet hush over all the state. And the next day dawned bright and clear. Temperatures soared to what they ordinarily were in midsummer, which was very peculiar for April. Minnesotans were devastated as they discovered billions of grasshoppers larvae wiggling to life. For three days, the unusual heat persisted and the larvae hatched. It appeared it wouldn't be long before they started feeding and destroying the wheat crop. And on the fourth day, however, the temperatures suddenly dropped that night. Frost covered the earth. You know what that frost did? Just killed, killed the grasshopper. There's one dead. There's one dead. There's billions dead one night. All right. It was as surely as if poison or fire had been used. Grateful farmers never Forgot that day. It went down in the history of Minnesota as a day that God answered the prayers of the people. Okay, that was so long ago. No, it was powerful. 
okay? That's the power of prayer. And it's amazing that people can forget that, can forget something. That was all, you can't deny. Holy cow, that was, you know, that was amazing. Um, I want to... Um, I want to keep, keep going through this book. There's so much in here. I, I got to pick and choose. Um, uh, chapter six in this book, if you read it, I really encourage you. I don't know how much you book this read, but definitely read chapter six. It's about protecting and partnering your pastors. He, he really zones in on pastors, and he zones in on why, and he zones in on the needs that pastors have and what they carry. And I, and I, I don't even, even want to get into it because there's too much that would just be so so good to pick through this but if you get this book it, it really gave you a picture of what pastors go through and what they carry and and they're also the target okay there he is <laughs> we're talking about him he heard us talking about him <laughs> okay there there is a need there and he's the target he's the point man okay we're we're, we're out it's not like you know the army we're all out there charging no it's one guy out in front but we're all supporting him and, and it was so good. I really want to encourage you, read, read this chapter and be praying over them. That's why when we made our prayer topic, the services and the leaders, okay? That's the pastors and pastors and their wives, okay? So, so need that prayer. So like I said, I, I don't think I could pick anything in there to read. Otherwise, I read the whole chapter and I don't have time for that, okay? So, so understand it. Just understand the power of, of prayer and the need for, to lift up our leaders um, in prayer. Um, other good things that he mentioned, he talked about just how powerful prayer was for the churches, and he gave a, um, he, he wrote a testimony uh, uh, from somebody else um, who was who was getting prayer going, and and it was slow at first, but he said he only only had a few people, uh, there there were three, and then and then the three became ten, and the ten became twenty, and the twenty became fifty, and the fifty became two hundred. All right. Later, he says this, I do not see how the average pastor under average circumstances preaches at all. Okay. He had power. We would love to get 200 prayer warriors. Our church isn't. <laughs> our church, right? Get them all praying. Okay. You know what? I'm not satisfied with how many prayer partner warriors we have. You know, it's funny. Pam looks at Liz and says, we got quite a few. I'm like, we need more. <laughs> we, we need more. And you know what? And, and you know what? You, if, if anybody who has a heart for prayer, it works. Pray for workers for the harvest. I, I pray for prayer, warriors. You hear me say it a lot. Why? Because prayer, one, prayer works. And two, it's like seed. You plant seeds. I'm planting seeds of prayer. That's a, when I got to this place, that's how I was like, build prayer here. I prayed for prayer. That's what I was doing. Pray for prayer. Get that, that seed going. It's kind of funny I ended with that. Um, let's see. Is it? Um, is this the message? <laughs> so funny I transitioned that here because there, there's a story in this book. Speaking of praying people, <laughs> people in, okay, um, he gives the story of a guy who, who went to one of his prayer conferences. I'm going to summarize. He went to one of his prayer conferences, and he was so excited, and he went back to his church and said, we're going to pray, and, and, and we're going to pray, and, 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 and it was like excitement was falling on deaf ears, you know, and then that pastor left, a new pastor went in, and he's like, okay, maybe he will. Now we're going to pray, and he's like, well, we've got a few people that show on Wednesday, and that's good enough, and, and, and it was frustrating, but he kept, you know, he kept praying, and he's like, I, prayer is important. Prayer is vital, and... Uh, and then one day, the Lord, finally God gave him the answer. It was time to move to another church. 
um, but Doug didn't know where. And then he started going to churches, and he found one, and he, this, this, this was it. And he's talking to the pastor, and he said, I'm, I'm here to pray. And the pastor almost falls out of his chair. He goes, he goes and business filing cabinet out, and he said, here's where my goals for this year. I'm asking God to recruit a band of prayer pastors, okay? We, we can pray them in, okay? And, 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 and it's okay if, if we think, well, are we stealing people? Not if God does, because what he's doing is he's matching people. He has some churches called just to do different things. Maybe they're not for the having power of God fall, but we just want to, hey, we want to see how many people we can get in the kingdom and get your, get your heaven card stamped, you know? And that's what they're called to do. And we're not saying that to criticize them, but they are getting a lot of people and have multiple services, and they're getting a lot of people into heaven. That they're, they have an evangelistic heart to get as many as we can in, and that's just what they're doing, okay? And God places people that way in, in different places. You know, years ago, I was at a church called Destiny Christian Center under Pastor Elsky back in 2004-2005. Prayer, come on, we need to pray. <laughs> I mean, I kept being like, we need to pray. And it was such, I was so frustrated. Like, prayer, come on, you know. But there was a day when God moved me somewhere else. And it was like, here was a church that wanted prayer. And it was like, okay, it was a connection. Now, what they kept doing, they actually were successful in what they were doing. It was just, okay, you have, I have a match. I could, put, I, could, I could place you somewhere else where that, that can be used. And that's all it is. That's what I'm saying is that match. You know, and then uh, fast forward, I went to another church. God told me to go to another church because my wife was there. <laughs> so I went to that church. <laughs> and that was the best thing that happened to me ever. All right? And, uh, but anyway, long story short, when that prayer, and again, I'm struggling with that. And I'm praying, get my pastor a revelation for prayer and excitement for prayer and a need for prayer. Get my pastor wanting prayer. Get my pastor wanting prayer. And he answered my question. <laughs> he answered that prayer. He changed the pastor. <laughs> and, and, and so it was, when I read that story, I'm like, he, he, he will do that. And when we pray, we say, it's okay for us to pray. Bring us workers for the harvest. Bring us some that have a match with what he does, and he will, match, he will match those people up. And that's okay. Allow God to do that. But it's okay to pray that prayer. God, send us. And some are prayer warriors who are prayer warriors but are frustrated and aren't going to a church maybe because they're, they're at that, this isn't it. Pray them in. You know, we will get them in. We had a friend of mine, Terry, she, she showed up. I hadn't seen her in years. She's a prayer warrior. I'm like, okay. She's one of those. We're praying in. People that are excited about prayer. So, so that's what we're all about. We are all about prayer. We have uh, the last few minutes is we really want to talk about, then we can roll back into the prayer ministry and, 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 and get involved. And, and uh, so having said that, you all get a coupon for your next purchase of being a part of the prayer. You can be a part, <laughs> enter the code, Jeff talks too much. So we can, let, let's get into prayer. So no, but seriously, what we talked about was one of our strategies we decided to do, we're going we're gonna to try this. One, we had a prayer breakfast. It was fantastic. I think we're going to try to do that again. That, that was great. The food was, was, the food was great. Um, we may get to have to get other people to talk because I gave my message. We need to, you know, I tell pastors, like, I have these messages, and they're like, don't ask me for something else until God gives me some download. <laughs> but I know people here that know how to talk about prayer, and so maybe we, you know, we can tag team, but we, we want to keep that up because we want to cultivate prayer in this place. Um, Another thing that we mentioned is we decided to go to a, a weekly schedule for prayer. Um, and so, because we kept saying, hey, we just want prayer. And it was kind of this general prayer, but I thought, you know what? My help is to just say, hey, some people may be willing to say, okay, just give me a week and that's my week to pray. And so, so what we did is, is, is we're just going to take names of, uh, and send out emails and say, this is you know, week one, week two, week three, week four. 
you know, for week five, we'll probably all just give it generally, okay, everybody try to and get the youth praying over the, over the fifth week, when every now and then we have those. But, um, but this is basically all we're going to ask of you. Um, we, we would like us to come at 8.30. We've been trying to get, motivate people to get in here at 8.30 in the morning for prayer, and I kept trying to motivate that, and I found that to be kind of a difficult thing. Um, so I said this. So I'm thinking this. We say, okay, that's one option, but there are other options, like praying throughout the week. You know, we know that, that there's moms that are saying there's no way I'm getting my children and me there at 8.30, but I will pray every day. So, so what we're doing is we're sending out ideas, you know, fasting, please. You know, that is a powerful one. But just commit. And, and, and if you can come, you know, however much you can, come and, and be a part of that. So we're asking those we're asking those to sign up, and if anybody here hasn't, and you can unsubscribe at any moment, okay? I think I'm afraid to sign up for stuff because I'm like, how can I casually back out? No questions. You're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Or just, you know, just email us back. And that, so just to make it simple, there's no obligation necessarily. Like, okay, 8.30, you know, you signed up this week, you know. No, you can pray. You can pray at home if you can. But we, we just want to do this because we want to get. We want to be hitting the ground. We want to be smacking that 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 wedge. Okay. We we want to be striking the ground and we want to strike in prayer. And so uh, anybody there online, if if you can, uh, come up and talk to us uh, and, and give us get get on there. Um, and especially what you might find is if you, when you start showing up at eight thirty. I started doing this regularly, and I'm like, now I love it. Now I enjoy coming early. And by the way, when you come, if you need to. Just come and sit and worship. Just do that, because there's power in that. The team's practicing. You can just sit and worship. And, and, and as you worship, and then maybe every now and then it's, okay, God, move in this place. You know what? You're drawn near to God, and you get that influence with God when you just sit and worship. And it changes for, even for you. It's like, you know, you, you try praying at home. I'll try praying at home. You know, at home, the laundry, oh, I need to move the laundry over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying. They're distractions. So sometimes it helps to just, hey, get in your car and come here. And you might start to get to the point where you start doing it weekly. But, but anyway, we want to invite that out. Uh, some of you that are here, uh, we have this up here if you, want to, if you want to sign up here. If you're watching online and you, and you have this burden, please come up and talk to us um, and just let us know. We want to just put you down on a week. And like I said, just do it for a while if you're interested and to whatever degree you can. But we, we want to get prayer going, okay? We want to get we want to get this this little rectangle right here. Okay, this spot here. We're going to be in the presence of God in this place. We're going to host His presence, and we're going to see Him move powerfully. We're going to see Him move compassionately, like we did Sunday. We saw His compassion. We'll, we'll, that's great. We'll take that. We'll take God. When interject where you can. That's what we want to see, and that's what we're going for. So, all right, that should that should do it. I did. I made it before seven again. <laughs> all right. Um, we had last Saturday. We talked. We talked about this whole developing a culture of an engaged congregation. We won't. We won't talk about that that here. But it's a really good topic. I want you to be thinking about that, and your, you know, how to pray about that, how to think about that. How can we get the whole congregation in, engaged? Because as we said, that's where we see power uh, in in a, in a place like this. That's where we can see God move powerfully. So. All right, I'm, uh, we'll, uh, we'll open up the discussion, but I don't know if, if Pastor's back there, he wants to sign off. If so, we, just, we so appreciate those that, that uh, were able to watch and, and, and uh, hung through the whole time. If you, if you did.